0: When I was in counseling, one of the things my counselor said to me one day, and this it was always a struggle. He said, you need to learn how to have emotionless conversations that are hard. Because too many times I'm listening for the offense. I don't mind conflict. So I'm okay with conflict. Some people avoid it like the plague. I'm like, no, nah, I'm cool. What are we talking about? What we doing? Like, I'm ready, right? The problem though is if you're, it's okay to be cool with conflict. It's not okay if you can't do conflict resolution. It's not okay if you don't know how to have emotionless conversations. And what are those? Fact-based conversations that don't involve how you feel.
1: When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I have a treat for you today. I had the pleasure of getting to interview Chris Williams, and we had so much fun that literally we kept talking way beyond our normal interview time, but (laughs) there was just so much wisdom that was being shared that was coming out in the conversation that completely lost track of time. So this might be a little bit longer episode, But you know what? Chris has done it all from selling vacuums to hosting a booming podcast to shaking up corporate and also to blending a family. And it's been really awesome having a conversation with all of this because it all began whenever he had a childhood filled with a lot of different challenges and um, a move that changed everything and a mother who believed in the power of never feeling lack. So Chris's life has been a roller coaster health struggles, personal losses, but through it all, he has a spirit that just won't quit. He's taken every curveball life has thrown at him and turned it into a home run. So I'm so excited for you all to hear about Chris today because we dove into the power of observing patterns in the lives of our family members, how Chris unlocked the power of love languages, which that's where I really lit up because, oh my gosh, I love a good personality test and I have had so much revelation around love languages. And so it was so great to chat with him about that. And also we dove into the nuances of blending a family and what that looks like and what it takes. So I hope you're going to listen up because his story is about grit, determination, and truly a journey of growth through parenting, marriage, and entrepreneurialism. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. Welcome to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am here today with Chris Williams, and I'm so excited to get to chat with him today because you guys are going to be so blown away by Chris and everything that, for one, what he's done, but also too, like Chris is coming at us with a story that is not your conventional story. And I think that that is something that um, isn't in so inspiring. And the fact that he has lived through what he's lived through, and he's become the man that he is today, and he has been the father and the husband that he is today. And so I think that you're just going to absolutely love Chris Williams just as much as I do. So Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Listen, Stephanie, first of all, let me say this. I am uh, honored that you have chosen to, as Russell Brunson talks about, be driven and not just a drifter, that you really are following this passion of helping people parent as entrepreneurs. Because I I think it's, it's, it's like one of those taboo conversations that people don't like talking about but we need to. Right. Yeah. And the fact that you've taken up the mantle, I just, uh, I, I applaud you for, um, staying on mission. Cause this is, this is an amazing, amazing conversation.
1: Thank you so much. Well, I know that, you know, and I know that anybody who's listening to this right now, it's kind of like whenever you have that, um, again, cheese, here goes a cheesy alert. All right, guys, but you have that like drum beat <laughs> in your heart. That is just like, You can't stop it. And whenever that's there, like nothing can hold you back from that mission and that passion. And this is it, right? Like I know there are children out there who are longing so much to be connected with their kids. And there's parents out there who feel disconnected and they don't know what to do with screens. And then there's also those entrepreneurial parents and even not not entrepreneurial parents who are just freaking busy. And it's like, dang, when was the last time I had quality time with my kid? And sometimes we just need that small reminder to like, how am I going to show up powerfully today for my kids, right? And so thank you for that. I appreciate that. in you as well. And you know what? I just want to dive in because, Chris, you bring so much to the table today because you are not coming in here with a traditional story. I mean, you came in um, whenever you met your beautiful wife, um, Tamara, and and she's just this powerhouse of a woman. And uh, whenever she came in, she had two kids whenever you guys met. So I want you to walk us through how all that came down. Like you met this gorgeous, beautiful woman. You were like, she's going to be mine. And she comes with two bonus kids. Like, how did that go down?
0: Yeah. So we actually met at church. So prior to us even getting married, we knew each other for 10 years. Oh, wow. I had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we reside now as a part of a ministry, um, our church in Atlanta, Georgia was doing an expansion in Charlotte. I was in college at the time. And the leader of our college uh, ministry was actually, um, going to be the head pastor of the satellite campus that was going to be in Charlotte. And so he came to me one day and was like, Hey, uh, you know, would you like to, you know, come with us to help start this ministry in Charlotte? And I'm like, I'm in college. I'm like, well, sure. Why not? Right.
2: Heck yeah! So uh, we moved to
0: Charlotte. Yeah, I moved to Charlotte at the end of 03, 04, uh, we start building, church grows like crazy. We end up, you know, ten, twelve thousand people a Sunday eventually coming in to services. So I'm I we're all the behind the scenes stuff of building a ministry. And if anybody knows anything about that, that's that's a that's a all in, all day, everyday type of oh, thing. Yeah. Um and so we wanted to start doing um reaching out to the business community. Cause we had some other things that we were interested in doing as far as reaching out to the business community. We were building a $20 million facility at the time that was going to take about two and a half years to get done. And in the meantime, we were uh, connecting with those who were in the city. Well, there was this event. Uh, I was a part of the project management team. And so there was this event for marketers that was going on uh, held by the uh, American Marketing Association here in Charlotte. And the keynote speaker was this lady named Dr. Tamara Combs. And so I'm just going down to go see like who these people are so I can network. And I go listen to this lady speak. Well, I come to find out she also lives in our area where the church was being built. And she was telling her story about what she had done, the work that she used to do when she was in corporate and that she had started this marketing company for technology firms. And so I was like, cool. All right. Went up there, got a chance to get to know her. And at first when I approached her, she thought I was literally trying to like talk to her. And I'm like, no, I work at a church. I'm not trying to date you or get, just to get your phone number. And so we ended up getting her a part of our uh, business community program that we were doing. Uh, As far as reach outs. And that was the first time we actually met. Fast forward, um, I had gotten married. So I had been previously married before. I had gotten married. Uh we'll talk a little bit about my journey with um, you know, our our son, but he ended up losing our son in that, or I don't even actually know at this point because we actually decided to keep it a secret from ourselves because we wanted to find out when it was born. But Mm. I just figured it might have been a son, even though I wanted girls. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) So we ended up um I ended up leaving that church after about uh, 12 years. 2008, I end up at my current church of Elevation Church with uh, Pastor Stephen Ferdy. And uh, I was in leadership at the time. I'm leading the new volunteer orientation. And in walks this little kid who's a uh, rising sixth grader named Josiah. uh, And he's there to volunteer in the children's area. Oh, my. Well, I look at his face and I'm like, I know this kid, but I couldn't like put it together. Um, come to find out here, she comes walking in the back, uh, cause she has to sign him in obviously. And, uh, she sat through, uh, training and then we kind of reconnected at that point. And at the, at that moment it was, there was nothing there. Cause I was actually marriage was kind of crumbling at the time mm. uh, that I was in. And, uh, so I was really just focused on that, but I was serving things were just kind of moving forward. And about three years later, wow. uh, we ended up having another conversation and it was like, wait a second. I've known this woman, like I know who she is. I know her kids. Her her mother-in-law loved me at the time. She still does. Um,
2: (laughs) Good
1: thing.
0: And I just remember like having this aha moment at church one day. We were both volunteering. Uh, Every year we do a huge volunteer uh, piece in the the summer called Love Week, where all of our campuses are serving towards One Direction. And we were doing uh, food pantry bags, uh, hygiene kits for like this large company, Operation Hope. And uh, she and I were serving at the same table. And it just, it just crossed my mind. Like, I've never approached this woman. Mm. And I just asked her if we could talk after it was over. And uh, that's kind of how it started, honestly.
1: Oh my (laughs) gosh. How long before you guys got married?
0: Uh, That's a funny story in itself. So uh, it was at least uh, about a year and a half. Okay. But when we got married, we got married in six weeks. Oh, wow. From the moment, this is what I want to my wife's a strong-willed person. Let's put it that way. I was giving her all the vibes of, I want to marry you, but she was comfortable. She She was a single mother for 10 years without me. Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Big business that was already rocking and rolling. She could take her kids all over the world. She was fine just, you know, dating. She wasn't looking for marriage. And in fact, she'll tell you herself, she was all right, not getting married again. Uh, like clear, like honestly, just okay being by herself with her boys, and so um one day I had she was sick of. Oh man, I had a, oh yeah uphill climb for sure. Um, one, let's just be honest, and this is a nuance Stephanie doesn't get talked about a lot, but um my wife was making way more money than I was.
2: Mm, yeah,
0: way more. So a lot of men struggle with the fact that they can't beat their chest financially right yes, to somebody mean. that they're going mm-hmm. after. My wife wasn't into that cause she already had her own money. She, so I couldn't impress her with money. I couldn't impress her with, you know, all the little stuff that most of us do. I had to find another way to get into her orbit as I call it. Um, um she was a, a tornado that was always on the move because yeah. she's busy. She's a mom and she's running a business. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I had to find a way to, you know, get on her radar, yeah. but, um, One day I had, uh, she wasn't feeling good. I took the boys to church with me. And so um, there was a sermon uh, called uh, 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 Don't Stop on Six. And the message was just about the fact that some of us get right in the middle of whatever we're going through and we stop right there, not realizing that if you went just a little further, Mm. there was actually a release. There Mm. was something that was going to change, right? And, um, I came back dropping the kids off and she goes, we're going to get married and we're going to do it on January 19th. And this is like December 1st to
1: 2nd. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> She's that kind of woman. Oh so yeah. I love her. I was like, uh, okay, I guess. And literally in one week, uh, six weeks, um, it was cold here in North Carolina. So we went to California to a friends of hers house that lives out in, uh, in the hills, Beverly Hills. Uh, got married and it was just a, it was a wonderful wedding, but we oh. did it literally all at six weeks planned across the country.
1: You know, Chris, something I love so much about that and something I love about that, about her is the power of a really strong woman and independent woman is that whenever she's with someone who, you know, who knows that she's a strong woman and that she's independent and she can do things on her own. She's yeah. with you because she chooses you. It's not because she there has you to go. have you. You know and and I think I think we learn inter interdependence because whenever you get married, you do need each other. Like you need each other at a spiritual level, intimate level, like emotional level, and all of those things. But before that, when you're just dating, like when a when a really strong independent woman chooses to be with you, she chooses, right? It's not because she has to be with you. and that's I think that's yeah. so beautiful, like so beautiful.
0: It, so, it's you, so true. you did good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I won. I don't care what nobody says. And all oh, yes, those guys who dated her before, they lost. Because uh-huh. I'm like, how did you miss this woman? Uh-huh. Um, yep. But, you know, here's the other thing, too, that I think that um, doesn't get talked about enough in marriages, especially when you talk about parenting, right? So uh, you ever heard of the book Five Love Languages?
1: Oh, yes, I love it.
0: Okay. So for those of you who are listening or watching, if you have not yet done the five love languages, I don't care if you're dating or you're married, you need to do it. If it's been a long time since you've done it, do it again. Right. Because I think one of the things that I've learned in marriage is um, one of my personal goals in my, in our marriage is I want to have the version of marriage that God said it it, was intended for us to have.
2: Mm -hmm. There
0: was a version that Adam and Eve had, had, we, we can't even fathom that level of, of oneness. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be able to experience here on earth with my wife. And so one of the ways you do that is you got to be willing to learn about yourself and make changes along the way so that you can strive to have that that version of oneness. Right. That's that's me. That's the way I see it. And so the five love languages, we took it. And here's the thing that most people don't understand. You have to realize that like her 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 top one was my bottom fifth. Those (laughs) are hard. Yes. Right. Those are hard but what you learn in the middle is you truly learn how to serve somebody that speaks to them not you yes right and i think that's the difference and so there's men you know fellas if you're listening to this and you might be wondering like man like i do stuff for her but like it doesn't resonate well it's probably because you're not doing it in the language that makes sense to her
1: yes what okay tell me what your what your top love language is
0: uh mine is uh words of affirmation and my second is um, a physical touch.
1: Okay. So what's her fifth? What's her, well, what's her top?
0: Her top is acts of service. Ooh. Ooh. Oh my God. So my wife is not bringing her. She likes flowers, but that don't do nothing for her. No, let me tell I'll tell you the story where I figured this out. So I had already done love languages years ago, even when I was single. And this really spoke to her. So one day I asked the dumb question that you ask any single woman who's running a big business. I called her on the phone. I'm on the way home. And I said, here's the dumb question. I said, hey, are you busy?
1: <laughs> I'm always That's busy. It's just a
0: dumb question to ask a mama who's got two kids in a business to run. Of course she's busy, right? Yes. yes. And so she's running down all the things that she's got to get done today, Right. And as a part of her running it all down, she's like, "Well, I got to get the kids from lacrosse practice. I got to get them home, get them fed, get them, you know, showered. They got to do their homework and all this other stuff." So I'm driving home, and I said, "Hey, well, I know you got another meeting to go to, and you had some things you were going to try to do in between. Well, what if I go pick up the kids, and I at least get them home? I'll get them something to eat. We'll stop the Chick Fil A, and you know, at least would that help you? That to her, yes, was like everything. I didn't know it at the time, right? Yes. But for her. Yes. Yes. Pick up these kids. Go, you know, go sign this contract. Like,
3: help me me live.
1: Okay. So listen, Chris, (laughs) the reason I'm nodding, like my head is going to fall off my neck is because I'm, (laughs) I'm actually, I always thought it was words of affirmation first, but I think, I think we can kind of ebb and flow in our top two. And so it's always been words of affirmation, acts of service, because I'm, I'm very much like your wife. I'm very busy and I'm, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm always doing things. And so- Um, acts of service, what I found is there has to, and this is for everybody listening because I've learned this and I geek out on personality tests so much. And so one of the things I've learned about acts of service is it, it doesn't just help to just do anything. If you really Mm want to speak someone's language of acts of service, you're going to, you're going to look at whatever's in their life and you're going to find something that's actually going to alleviate the stress, the pressure, or take something off of their to-do list. It can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go just do something randomly. Like, look, I did the dishes. It's like, cool, cool, cool. I wasn't going to do the dishes. The dishes weren't even on right. my radar. Like, I don't even care if you, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And yeah. so, you know, if you have someone in your life that has an acts of service, what Chris is talking about here is actually hearing where they are, which is, which I think that all love languages actually ultimately are all about seeing and acknowledging who that person is in different yeah, Absolutely. Ways. And so acts of service you're acknowledging their life and what they're living and what's important to them and what they're doing you're saying let me come alongside you and let me help you mm-hmm. i see you and that's beautiful and now words of affirmation i had a huge revelation for myself too because those are my top two right so words of affirmation was i mean think about the word it's words of affirmation you are affirming who they are with words so my husband uh cuz i thought my my number 1 was words of affirmation for so long and it was probably but I would, he, he would think it was compliments like, wow, you look beautiful today or, oh man, I love the way that color looks on you or you did this so well or whatever. And it was like, oh, thank you. And I would feel awkward about it. I would feel like that didn't land. Why didn't that land? If words of affirmation are my number one, as because like, I don't want to be worshiped. I don't want to have compliments mm. thrown at me. That's not, that's not yeah. what it is. Words of yeah. affirmation affirm who you are as a human being like Chris, like your words of affirmation before we got on this podcast, you were incredibly in tune. And like, you have an ability to like show up and ask the right questions because you're so emotionally intelligent that you had these great questions for me be on the podcast. And it shows me like what level of, um, of experience your wife and your kids must have with you. Like, that's why you were probably able to win her over because of your emotional intelligence. And so like, I would hope that that, like what I just told you is more than a compliment, but like I see that part of who you are. And so, you know, using words of affirmation to acknowledge someone in, in the depths of like who they are and how they're showing up in yeah. the world, it makes the biggest difference in people's lives. And so anyway, I'm so happy you brought that up because we, I don't think we've ever gotten to talk about that on the podcast and it's something I'm so passionate about. And, um, and that acts of service, the fact that you figured that out with her is beautiful, like so beautiful. Yeah. And so now do, yeah. does she ever feel like you've like, Cause I think whenever someone can speak your love language really well, it's almost like you feel like you've been hacked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I will tell you, um, and I know we're pretty much, this is pretty much audio, right? As an experience for people.
1: Oh, for most part, but we do
2: use some yeah. videos. Sometimes. Yeah.
0: So I-, I will tell you this. Um, my wife. Yeah. She does feel a little hacked. Uh, Cause I'm an observer by nature. Uh-huh. So I pay attention to patterns. I- I'll never forget listening to uh, a business leader talk about, um, some of the most successful people are people who just watch patterns. And if you can understand patterns, then you're not, you're not surprised by what happens. And it even works for humans. All of us as humans, we have patterns. Mm. And if you can, if you can understand your spouse or your boyfriend or your children, right, look at their patterns. Don't, don't dismiss their patterns because you want the perfect kid.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: That's not a thing, right? Like yeah. even though that's what we want, that's not a thing.
2: Yeah.
0: What we have to get really good at is going, how does my child act when he's under pressure? How does she act when she feels loved? How does he respond when uh he has is being held accountable? How do they respond to discipline? How do they handle being caught, right? Like because if you can understand the patterns, then you can, you can have a little bit more empathy, but then also you can help them navigate so that they can become more self-aware than the next person. Oh, yeah. Because I think when you understand patterns, it, like we all understand patterns in business. We know every business is not always up. There are seasons, there are cycles to business, right? There's cycles to women's bodies. There's cy- like, if you start to understand patterns then you don't get upset about the pattern, you realize, well, this is what it is. I just have to help this person or I've got to accept this is the pattern. So I realized that my wife does not like vulnerability as much. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm okay with it just cause probably cause I'm an extrovert and I don't, I don't, I sleep, I always tell people I sleep good at night cause I'm always telling myself the truth first. So telling Ooh. you the truth is not a problem. Oh so good. Right. I go to bed fine. Cause I, I have no problem being honest about where I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Um, And so but here's the cool part. She knows it's a safe space to be vulnerable with me. Mm-hmm. I don't violate that, right? Like, yeah, she can, she can be exposed to me without, you know, uh, feeling like, oh, crap, somebody sees me. No, I, I see you because I love you, right? Because I'm paying attention to you because I, I understand what works for you. Another act of service, right? So on Fridays, so my wife loves Dateline. So any of you Dateline folks out here, <laughs> more power to you. She likes crime shows, things of that nature. When the kids were small, they didn't understand that mama needed her own time. Mm -hmm. So, what I would do is I would pull the boys away and let her just go have whatever she wanted to go do. That's what she was doing. Typically, it's on the couch with her favorite wine and enjoying the Today Show and watching, you know, uh, Dateline. Right? Like that. (laughs) Give her those four, life is good, right?
2: Oh, I love it.
0: But I had to teach the boys early the way you serve mama the best is sometimes what you don't do.
2: Mm.
0: You don't need to call on her every two seconds. And I would always tell them, if you need something during this time, come talk to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right? If you need something, just come ask me. Don't ask mama right now.
2: That's good. Right?
0: And it was just teaching them from the standpoint of like, you got to be aware of like what she wants. Mamas are never going to tell their their kids, don't come to me. Right? Right. No. But it's exhausting when you got little ones that are just constantly, right? It's an exhausting game. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes you got to learn to work together through that. And so I just learned different ways that helps her uh, so she can stay healthy.
1: Okay. So listen, I I love that so much. And you were talking about patterns and observing patterns. And I just know that there's somebody who was listening to this podcast and they were probably like, Chris, sounds exhausting. Like, how do you, how do you keep up with (laughs) with observing patterns of this and that and this and that and this and that. And I know it, obviously it's you, you this is a, a skill that you have, uh, you know, you had yeah. at the beginning, but you've grown and you've learned. So like, what would you say to someone who's like, Oh, that sounds exhausting. Um, you know, looking for patterns everywhere and keeping track and all of that. What would you say to that person?
3: I would tell anybody that it is exhausting. If it's hard for you to be
0: fully invested in that other person. It's hard when you first start working out too. (laughs) And you haven't been for years, right? Like, okay, there's going to be some soreness. There's going to be some, it takes a lot of intentionality, but I will tell you this. If your desire is to create a more perfect union between you and your son, between you and your daughter, between you and your spouse, the reward long-term it's the it's the best thing you could, the S&P can't beat this return. I right. can take it out right now. That's
1: right. That's can't beat right.
0: it. I'm sorry. It just the best That's business right. day that you had can't beat this return because the one thing that makes a great business better is knowing that your home is also getting better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. What you come home to after the great business. I'm sorry. That changes things, right? So I think, um, yes, it's diff- it can be difficult, I guess. It's a little bit natural to me. It can be difficult, but I will tell you, um, if you, if you use intentionality in a way that says I'm doing this in a way to make myself better, because you learn about yourself studying your spouse. I, I truly believe that mm-hmm. you learn a lot about you studying your spouse. And so I think on the longest marriage journey, especially when you're building a business, man, it's a lot. And it takes a lot of uh, intentionality, but find ways to do it. And I'll give you one good one. Find ways to start having conversations other than the surface level stuff. Yes. When you travel together, take I have a I have a, a box of, of games, and they're conversation starter games for married people. We just pull those out. Like, hey, let's five minutes. Now, my wife doesn't like them because they be deep questions, right? <laughs> I love it because I like deep conversations. Yes. But um, it gets us to learn about each other in a way. Like, there's plenty of them out there that you can purchase on Amazon um, where the conversation starters get a bowl, put it in the middle of the table throughout the week, write down the question that you've been wanting to get answered. Mm-hmm. Throw it in the bowl
3: mm-hmm. Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. when you all together reaching that bowl. Yeah. Pick out a question, ask it, right. Answer it. Right. Like this is, this is to me, this
0: is how you make your marriage more than just who I'm with.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. It's a journey. 100%. And um, speaking of that, I have some cards too that I use. We'll we'll link them in the show notes as well as you can get the dinner questions that we have. And uh, they're free, powerful parenting dinner questions that you can download. I recommend that you print them out and then make a little container that you keep on your dinner yes. table. We have one we've been using for about I think about 16 years now and it still sits on our dinner table and we still pull them up even though we've answered these questions before it changes and it's also it's great for your marriage it's great for your kids it's great all around. Yeah. But I I agree with you Chris. I believe that um you know it is a lot of work. Any anything in life worth doing takes effort and it is a lot of work and that's because it qualifies you for the reward at the end of it, right? Mm. And so we have to do that work because what does it do? It sharpens us. If you think about it, why is it hard? It's hard because it requires you to sacrifice. It requires you to think others before yourself, right? And yeah, we're busy. So you have to rightly prioritize that relationship and that intentionality over other things. And that's difficult because then you got to really look critically at your time and what's going on in your brain. You got to look at critically, like what is taking up all my brain space? Why can't I, not take the time to observe patterns on my kids why is that such a strain and really think through that and say wait am i prioritizing the things that i actually want to prioritize in my life right so talk to me about the these patterns like we talked a little bit about the your awesome observation of your wife's patterns what does that look like for you and your boys um you you your boys are now 18 and 19 um but yeah. when you came on the scene these kids were middle school aged and let me just tell you what my hat is off to you because you come in at that age. That's a tough age to be coming in there, Chris. So it sounds like you had some great skills coming in that were going to help set you up for success. And I'd love to know what that journey was like for you, looking and finding those patterns and connecting with
0: those boys. Um, yeah, I think the jury's still out on whether I got it right. I don't <laughs>
3: <we'll> find <laughs> out still
0: later in on life. it. Um. You know, I, you know, I appreciate this podcast so much that you have because, uh, you know, the fact that we can talk about the things that are imperfect, but made sense in the moment. Right. I think I found this fascinating as parents, we want everything to be perfect, but what we don't realize is looking back, the imperfect decision that you made in the moment was right to you in the moment, good, Mm. bad, or indifferent, and you live with it. Right.
2: Yep. And I
0: think so much of life is like that, right? Like you, you got to be all right with, look, you you took whatever happened in the moment, you just made the best decision for the moment and you went with it, yeah. right? Um, when I met the boys, um, I had met them when they were smaller than that, but that was they, because they were coming in at of church. When, later, when we actually got together there in middle school at this point, and um, I didn't have kids of my own yet. So this was just as much as a, I'm doing this for the first time, as much as for them, it was like, is my mama really serious about this guy, Mm -hmm. right? Like like he shows up a lot. He picks us up from school. He, you know, but they don't know, right? They're kids in middle school. They just, you know. And I think the first thing that I realized was my wife says this all the time. Her kids had at that time, the best parts of her and the worst parts of her Mm. on an extreme basis. Hmm. So as a mama, imagine the fact that your kids have these parts of you, but they're on display for the rest of the world to see. Yeah. Right. I'm just happen to be the guy that realized I learned a lot about my wife by watching our
3: kids.
2: Mm.
3: I did. Joshua is our oldest son. He's a quiet uh,
0: rumorator, like in his mind, like he's always in his head. He's thinking a lot. He just don't say a lot. Mm. Like, we always make the joke in our house. Like, if you want to commit a crime, do it with Joshua, because no one will ever know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's he's, hilarious.
0: That guy is, you have to, you can show him video evidence of him doing something. He's like, no, that's probably not me.
3: Right? Like, when he was a kid, <laughs> it was just, he's the, hes hes a, hes more uh, introvert.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? But he's a thinker.
2: Yeah. That's
0: and my things view. tend to stick with mm-hmm. him a little
3: longer. Right? Yep. And he, when he was a
0: kid, he was just a hard nut to crack for me because I'm an extrovert. I like talking about stuff. And he, I had a very different relationship with him Um, that was difficult at times. Not even going to lie, because uh, as they got older, unfortunately, they got into all sorts of stuff that boys get into at that age. There's uh, obviously middle school, high school introduction of you got. Kids, drugs, the stuff that they see on their phones, the stuff Mm -hmm. I have caught them seeing on their phones with their Snapchat conversations, all the stuff, right? And I'm having to figure out in this second: Do I be parent? Do I be disciplinarian? Do I be your friend? Do I do do nothing? Right? Like, what all? You know, what do I have to do in these moments? And it's like taking a snow globe and just like shaking it up. Like, we'll pick one and just go with it. Mm. And I think with him. the hard part was he had somewhat of a relationship with his, uh, his biological dad.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah. To, so for some context, one of the things that I did when we got married was I made sure I had a relationship with their father, period, point blank, good, bad, and indifferent. I had to have that for me. It was important because I wanted the boys to understand this is not a, he's bad. I'm good. Or I'm yeah. bad. He's good. This is a, I'm picking up in this chapter. That's good. It's good. Right. Mhm. We're not like yes, we're two separate individuals, but it's all around the same thing of helping you have a consistent male in your life, right? Like yes. that's kind of the thing. Mhm. Um so Joshua had a really good um at least enough relationship with his dad that you know, for a little while his dad is the zero, right? Like he's he's the guy that he saw as a, as a middle schooler, right? And uh he lived, you know, back back west. So, uh, you know, they would see him very infrequently. Right. But I realized if I didn't have that relationship, I don't think I could have had a version really with them. And Mm -hmm. that relationship was not sparred by my wife. I chose to do that.
3: Wow. He didn't
0: care whether or not I had a relationship with their dad or not. I did though. Right. So I chose to to do that. So when they are in middle school, um, Joshua was different. He was, he's just a quiet guy, but he's a thinker. Not, he's not a feely person. He ain't going to give you none of his feelings.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. Josiah on the other hand, split an image of me, extrovert, wear hard heart on his sleeve. He, he in love with a girl today,
0: broke up with her tomorrow. His heart is rattled. He's a mama's boy. So if, if my wife says something to him, he shuts down for the rest of the day. You got to come and hug him and be like, it's okay. We just had a moment, right? Like he's, he really wears his uh, heart on his sleeve and and both of them are really good kids the the thing that was different was they hadn't had a male influence in their life consistently for 10 years so i'm the different guy right like my mm-hmm. approach wow. as a wow. man was very different cuz they're being raised by women mama uh and 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 her sisters along with her mother that's all they know they don't know male to that regard they know male in sports but not one that's consistently in the house right wow that was very different energy and i learned um
2: yeah i learned quickly i had to have a
3: separate relationship with them than even i had with my wife so um and i'm still doing yes yes that's good that's
1: good so if there's somebody who's listening is still working on it right Hey, Powerful Parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patients, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email. And I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair, print them out, have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions and that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day We've been using these questions for close to eight years now And i've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have again. That's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com Now back to the show if there's someone who's listening right now who's who's mm-hmm. trying who's blending a family, like I have uh, several friends mm-hmm. and they're blending families, and it's hard and it's so different because I know that it's not cookie yeah. cutter. You can't um say this is what works because every kid, every parent there're just there's so many different things happening there. But if you could think back to um just that time period and, and like you said, you're still working on it, but if there's one piece of advice you could give to anybody who's blending a family what what do you think that advice would be?
0: I would say, give each other enough grace. And, rem- and I think everybody in the house needs to sit down and say and admit to each other, we are all doing this for the very first time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I think we, we, we create, we have assumptions that we think about other people, and then we
0: think how something should go. So yeah. we have an assumption about the person, it could be our spouse, our kids. Especially in a blended family, and we have assumptions about how we think should things should go. I would say over communicate in okay. a blended family.
2: Yeah,
0: over it should be almost like annoying over communication because I had certain things that that I didn't get as a as a kid, being this the youngest of a single mama with six boys in the house. That in my mind, I'm thinking this is how it should be. Well, our boys' floor. They grew up in a 6,000 square foot home with they could travel to you know what I mean like they they had access to things at a child that I could have never even yeah. thought of back in
3: the 80s, right? Yep. So um I was learning, right? Like how do you how do you raise kids
0: in this day and age where digital natives are that's a that's normal. Yep. Yep. We didn't have that. I was telling our kids one time, you know, our version of the first version of long distance was when they announced on the old houses that were attached to the house with a cord. When they you could go to Walmart or see your favorite grocery store and they had a 60 foot long cord that can go everywhere in the house. That was our first version of long distance.
1: <laughs> hey, I remember that.
0: <laughs> you remember that? Mama could go from the kitchen to the car. <laughs> oh, back yeah. into the
2: house oh, yeah. to the
0: backyard and stay up be holding that phone right like that was our so they don't know those worlds though right like yeah. we they don't even really know going outside and the playing, except for when i go play in a sport we lived outside Saturday in the morning mama kicked us out we couldn't yeah. come back in the house mm-hmm. so and the access of things that they had because their mom had built a great business and a great life we didn't have access to the resources they had. Yeah, the types of friends that they had. So I was learning. So I would say, over communicate.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, don't assume anything. In fact, uh, talk about what you even assume. Yeah, and
0: let the other person fill in the gaps for you. Mm-hmm. Right. I might say, Hey, Stephanie. Um, I noticed when you said this, this is kind of how it made me feel. Am I, am I, am I right or am I wrong? Right. Yeah. Because if Stephanie, if you grew up in a house that was always very quiet and we never really talked loud and nothing ever really was right. Like, well, then you marry some dude from the country <laughs> and they whole family talks a lot, right? Like they're expressive. They're, you're like, oh my God. Right. You have to talk about that. Yeah, totally. But, because to some people it's like, Oh, they seem overbearing. Oh, they seem, no, that's just how they literally talk every day. Yeah. It's not an argument for them.
2: Yeah. That's
0: just a regular conversation.
3: Right. So, those dynamics talk about it. Question your assumptions out loud. It will help so much
0: in learning each other and blending well.
1: Yes. That's such great wisdom. Uh, I know for myself personally, with my husband, you know, in their home, he grew up with two sisters and. There was always arguing of some sort as far as, you know, like they're arguing over this or they're debating over that. and and yeah. I grew up pretty much by myself. I have an older brother who's ten years older than me, but, you know, we didn't always live in the same house. and um, yeah. so you know, it was, it was relatively peaceful, except for the noise I made for myself, you know. And so when they would argue, it would feel so combative to me. And I was like, why are y'all <laughs> arguing? And they're like, we're just talking about stuff. And I'm like, what? Okay. So I've kind of had to understand and learn and and go with the flow of like, oh, okay. Okay. We're cool. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, And and I've adapted over the years. We've been married now for almost 20, 23 years, 20, yeah, 23, 23, 22 years. And so, and then we dated four years before that. So I've been with John Blake longer than I have not been. And so now I've (laughs) I feel like I speak the language. I get it. It doesn't hit me like it did. <laughs> yeah,
0: you got the lingo down. Yeah.
1: But before it was like, whoa, like what's what? Like, and you know, being a Christian, I was like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, we're supposed to be like living in unity <laughs> right. here, you know, like, but, right. but it's just another way of communicating and experiencing the world. Yeah. And and that's the beauty of it, I think, Chris, that that you're tapping into here, your respect for the fact that we are all unique individuals. Mm-hmm. And your curiosity around that and your willingness to observe, I think, is such a superpower that I hope that you recognize. I know you said, you know, you know that you do this. But for a lot of people, it's so hard to pull out uh, and and see things big picture, like just zoom out and see things big picture. And then also just not need to force anybody into a box you think they need to fit in. And and that's been
0: one of the hardest things. I think one of the things, Stephanie. Mm hmm This will be really helpful. Most of the time we observe in reverse.
2: Mm.
0: We need to observe in the present.
3: Ooh, that's powerful.
0: Don't wait until we have an argument and we all blow up and it's out of control to then go,
3: you know what, Stephanie?
0: I could have said X, right? No, like in the moment, observe what's going on. Observe how you feel. Think about how you're making the other person feel in the moment. Yep. Think about how they're responding in the moment, right? Like, because I think if we learn to observe in the present, it'll cause us to have more intentionality, right? If I see you shrinking, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's something going on, right? Instead of, uh, my, my pastor said it one time, and I'll never forget this, was years ago. He said, your emotions are indicators. They're not dictators. They're indicating something to you in the moment, but they shouldn't dictate your next move.
1: Ooh, so good, so good. Right?
0: So I've got to have enough willpower over myself, over my own emotions to still be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Right? And I think if we learn to observe in the present, it changes everything.
1: Well, and I and I think it's so it can be so difficult for parents in the moment cuz sometimes like I had one friend a long time ago and my heart would hurt for her because every time her kids did something, it hit her like it was a personal offense because mm. they had they were doing something, but it wasn't like, oh, they're just kids and they weren't thinking or, oh, they're just kids and that one is particularly bent to do that one thing. No, it was like I told them not to and they chose to willfully disobey me. <laughs> and yeah. and there was this offense that she would carry. And I was like, oh, honey, like they're not doing it. This is not about you. This isn't about you. And I, and I think that as parents – you know whether that's our default or not it seemed like that was kind of her default like you know how she how she processed the world really but um i think you know whether that's your default or not i think that it's super important for us as human beings in general whether you've got kids or not whether you're married or you're not married it's super important for us to recognize that um in those moments it's it's not necessarily about us and 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 this what's so beautiful about it I think three things in life that will grow you the most is business, marriage, and parenting, and not necessarily oh in that my order. God. Right? Oh, you know what Jesus. I mean. Like they yes. they will grow you as a human being. They will if you're a believer like you know I believe they cause us to be more like Jesus because. All three of those things call us to be better than we are in our natural given state. In that uh, marriage and and parenting, whenever we're doing this, we have to, like you said, being able to be in the moment and recognize what your emotions are feeling and then take a different action against what your emotions are feeling is a higher level human activity. (laughs) This is not something that a child does necessarily, right? Mm -mm. We grow in maturity to be able to do that. And so, what you're talking about right now is like, you know, it's really a mature thing that you have grown into. You have been sharpened and you have learned that this not only serves the people in front of you, but it serves you as a human being. And it's, and it's causing you to be be more like Jesus, right? It's causing you to be able to, to live and to see and to, um, to love better.
0: Right. You know, what's crazy about that, Stephanie, you just made me think about something. When I was in counseling, one of the things my counselor said to me one day, and I, this, it was always a struggle. He said, you need to learn how to have emotionless conversations. That are hard, mm. Because too many times I'm listening for the offense, right? I got my, I'm ready to like, I, cause I, I'm, I, I don't mind conflict. So I don't, I'm okay with conflict. Some people avoid it like the plague. I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I'm cool. Yes,
2: what are we too, talking same. about? What are
0: we doing? Like I'm ready, right? I'm always ready. The problem though, is if you're, it's okay to be cool with conflict. It's not okay if you can't do conflict resolution. It's not okay if you don't know how to have emotionless conversations. And what are those? Fact-based conversations that don't involve how you feel. Mm. Mm. That takes a long time. I still ain't mastered it. I'm a lot better now yeah. that I'm more aware of that's so a way to have a discussion, right? You have a disagreement with with John, Johnny, then you 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 sit down and you say, hey this when you said this this is how it made me feel
2: mm-hmm.
0: and as a result this is what it made me this is where it made me go yeah is this what your intention was when you said that and you give him the grace to respond you know what babe no that's not what i meant this is what i meant and and when you can do that i'm not saying it's easy but when you can get to that level you start to realize how many little things Mm. you've allowed to start to like throw you guys off. Right. Oh yeah. Um, You know, our pastor was doing this message years ago and he talked about the fact that um, he was interviewing this couple that had been together like 38 years and they ended up in a divorce. And he's like, I'm this young pastor. And he was like, he was dying to ask this one question. So he said he waited till the council session was over. And he finally asked, he said, I want to ask y'all a question. How is it that you can be 40 years almost? And then you finally get a divorce and the husband spoke up. And he, the thing that he said was the most powerful, he said, because we weren't paying attention to the slow leaks.
3: Ooh. Mm-hmm. If you see
0: a pipe burst, okay, fine. Go deal with that. But the pipe, anything that happened, all of a sudden happened incrementally over time.
1: 100%. 100%.
0: So it's the small things that we don't go, uh-uh, let's attack the small thing first Yeah. so that it never has a chance to become, you know... The bigger thing. I, I've learned that's my approach now.
2: Yeah.
0: I rather attack the small thing than waiting for something to blow up and then thinking we're gonna solve it. We're not gonna solve it. Yeah. We're just gonna be going back and forth with our emotions because we're mad, right? Yes. Let's go attack the small thing now so that and our and, and have our kids be aware of it, have our spouses be aware of it. Like I'd rather my wife tell me, babe, every one time my wife got me out of the shower. Because <laughs> I said something crazy to uh, our oldest one day and I'm in the shower, taking a shower. and She said, uh, honey, when you get out of that shower, you need to go apologize to Joshua because you said this and that wasn't cool. I had to, once I got out the shower, go apologize to my son.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: But I'd rather her get me then. Yeah. Right? And say, hey, babe, that was not cool.
2: Mm-hmm
0: then to wait until something crazy goes on and then now you're trying to fix it. It's too late at that point. Yep. You kept seeing it over time, right? You just thought, nah, it'll blow over. I won't say anything about it. No, you should say something about it when it's small.
1: Mm, That's so good. And Chris, I want to bring that all the way back home. So you said it, like that slow leak in that marriage, right? The slow leak. And I feel like what's happening right now in our culture with screens in our home, which again, we're not anti-technology, we're pro-connection, But there's this silent killer, this slow leak in our relationship with our children that is taking place because it's so silent. Like they're on their phones. It's not like they're out, you know, like disobeying you directly at that moment. It's not like Mm -mm. they're doing something crazy and screaming and yelling and punching walls. They're not doing that. They're just, their face is in the screen and in the phone. And there's this slow leak of that connection between the parent Mm -hmm. and the child. And, 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 and whenever it comes up, it's like you said, like a bursting pipe and it's like, oh, the pipe burst. And then I see it all the time. Like parents are like, all of a sudden my kid is anxious and they're depressed and they're suicidal Mm -mm. and this and that. No, 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 no. That started a long time ago. There was a slow leak and you did not notice. You
0: didn't see it. As a parent, when we decided to give our child the cell phone because everybody else was doing it, you didn't have to buy them one. Yep. You did not have to. Yep. Can I give you some of the things that we did in our home? Would please, that be helpful? Please. Yes. Okay. First things first at, in middle school, they only got their devices for a few hours after school and their devices came in our room at night. That's so good. Not, Hey, put it down. And when you go to bed, they're going to pick it up. Come on. Let's, let's not even play that game. Oh, totally. Right? Like,
1: we, we can barely devices, not pick it up as adults. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Their laptops, that was included. Their school laptops. Yes, that was included in putting it into our room. Their phones, their gaming devices.
3: All of that went into our room at night. Every night, no questions asked. Yeah. When they got to high school,
0: I would back down the time a little bit. I'd say, hey, you can keep it till 10 p.m. Or hey, I'll let you keep it till midnight. But if those grades are terrible, guess what you're losing? The very thing that's keeping you okay, cool. Well, obviously you can't manage yourself. That's what we used to tell them. Yeah. If you can't manage yourself, clearly, then I need to do it because you haven't matured that and that's fine. I don't mind managing you. But you're not gonna like my version of micromanagement, right? <laughs> so either get it together or not, right? Like you just it's I believe in everyone learning to suffer consequences because I think that's the one thing we're always trying to also avoid. Yep. Don't avoid it. like be. I'm, I was. Oh, I realized when my son, my oldest got to ninth grade and my youngest was in eighth grade, I was no longer, I can no longer be their friend.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have to be their parent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And for the longest throughout their high school, rough. But I have to stand on, I have to have a standard that I set in front of them and that I also hold them up to. Because mm-hmm. if you, you can't be your friend's, your parent, your your kid's friend all the time. You cannot. I don't care that they're not happy. Yeah. What I do care about is that they learn discipline, character, yeah. goodwill, teaching them things. That phone ain't teaching them that. No,
2: no.
1: So
0: those not. are the two things that I would do all the time. And guess what? I even did it their senior year in high school. I took the door off of my son's room <laughs> because he is not allowed to close his door. There is no exceptions. In my- yes, I literally got a screwdriver and
3: took the door off. But. To them in the moment, oh my God, he's being, guess what? They learned a valuable lesson.
0: Oh, my dad will do whatever it takes for us to make sure that we are learning how to communicate, that we get out of our rooms. That's another pattern. Watch if your children are always in their room all the time. Yeah. Get them out of the room.
1: Yeah. And that that's the connection piece. And I think that's the one of the main focuses for powerful parenting is how do we create. Connection because nowadays there's this temptation for our families to get home and they just all they're all in the same home, but they're all everybody. separated all over the house Separate. on their screens. And that's not the way the family is designed to function. We no. need each other, like parents need their kids and kids need their parents, and we're supposed to function together as a family. But unfortunately, you know, many families today are, you know, they get home and it's just whoop, everybody to their corners of the house. and you know, I, 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 the idea of, you know, drawing them out and drawing them out, you know, obviously Mm. there have to be consequences, but I was just had a podcast interview with, uh, Rosanna Burgos and she's actually the matriarch of the B family. They are a, an, a YouTube famous family. They're absolutely incredible. If you haven't heard of them and anybody listening, go check them out and try to find the other podcast too, to listen to that. But, um, in it, she talked about how, They were so intentional from the time their kids were very little to figure out what interests their children had and to actually Mm -hmm. do things that were fun to their children. And not always, and I'm a big proponent of this, not always trying to make your child come into your world, but Mm -mm. go into your child's world, whether it's Legos, even if it is a video game, what if it's Minecraft? What if you sat down and you played Minecraft with them? They will laugh their faces off at you trying to even move forward if you're not good at that stuff, you know, but. Get into their world. What is fun for them? And fight, 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 fight for that connection with your kids and that time with your yeah. kids, and and showing them that what matters is that we're together. We like and, and and kids need that. They need a place to belong and to know that you want to spend time with them and that you you value hearing what they think. Um, and while you are ultimately the parent, ultimately you are the decision maker. You are the one mm-hmm. guiding them along this journey. That they have a place to belong, and their voice has a place to be heard. And yeah. um, I think what you're talking about there is so so powerful.
0: Yeah, I did uh, I play video games, so I would like my kids would come down to the basement, and they're in the and they're playing games with their kids. Well, yeah, I kick their button in Madden in front of their kids, in front of their friends.
3: <laughs> I love I'd
0: it. uh I'd I'd play them. You know, like my oldest, he was really good at the soccer game, so I wasn't good at that. But like basketball, oh, we would play NBA 2K all the time. Uh-huh. Like I'm yeah, I, I'm in their world. Yeah. Um, my youngest son is home for a college break right now. And, uh, you know, he has a Nintendo switch. I bought him one, um, his, when he turned 16. And so like, you know, uh, he came home, he's like, Hey, do you have the new game of this? And I was like, yeah. And I gave it to him. Like, I, like I'm in their world for your right reasons, because you want to, you want to respect the fact that they have a life too, that they're living that you were a kid. You had a life. You had a view that you saw the world through yeah. and for somebody to step in that world and respect it, right? Whatever it is. Um, that's what you did. I was the screaming dad at the lacrosse games. Everybody loved me because <laughs> I was there. I'm I'm yelling for the whole team, right? Like I'm, yeah, I drove them. I was the free Uber driver all around the East Coast for lacrosse. I didn't know a, a thing about lacrosse, right? Like I ain't know nothing about, but I learned it through my children because yeah. that's what they were doing. Guess where I'm going to be, wherever they at.
1: Ah, oh, so good. That is so so good. Okay, one other thing I, I wanted to dive in from something you said earlier, which was about vulnerability and about how you know you don't you don't necessarily have a problem you know wearing wearing your heart on your sleeve. And um, Tamara, you know, wasn't someone who was necessarily bent towards that. But I'm curious, whenever it comes to vulnerability with your children, can you think back to any times where? You know, uh, you had to bust through and kind of, especially with Joshua, you know, like he didn't, he didn't lean towards that either. Um, what were some of maybe the tools or the tricks or the things that you did in order to reach that part of of their spirit, of their soul and have those vulnerable moments together? Yeah,
0: Joshua never mastered that, never figured out what worked best for him. Here's the crazy part, though. He's a mama's boy. So their affection for one another, she could get it out of him. Oh, if they had some alone time. I see. I
2: see.
0: That's typically how it worked. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He wasn't always, I remember like 13 years old and he goes, oh, well, I'm almost grown. So I don't really need a, you know, a male figure in my life. And <laughs> we're like, that's how we know you need one. That's your response. Right. Like kids say the darndest things. Right. Yes. Um, but, but, um, because he had such a, he, he still does to this day. Like if we're, if the four of us are walking somewhere, he's walking with mama, Josiah's walking with me. Oh. Right. Like it's, But so I would learn about his vulnerable conversations because she would approach him on that level. And then he'd talk about it. But if I approach him, he's just he just kind of clamber. I never got that good. I've heard from a lot of men that I've talked to that said your kids come back to you. So when they get older, you Mm -hmm. might end up in that space because now they start to get it like. Oh my God, you know, what wherever they find themselves, like right. Yeah, so I'm and like, you're you're I'm sowing seeds.
1: Yeah. You just sow the seeds. You know the thing that you should be doing, it, even if you don't yeah, necessarily sir. see it right then, usually it comes yeah. back around later on for sure.
0: That's I keep hearing that from a lot of men. So I'm like, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait for that moment, right? Um yeah, yeah. my youngest though, um, he wears his heart on his sleeve. So if I if I I've I learned the power of asking the right questions though.
1: Okay. You how do you how do you ask the right questions,
0: Chris? You gotta know the person well enough and you gotta, you gotta speak to the thing you're ultimately trying to get to. You ever talk to somebody and they just keep asking roundabout questions and you're like, please just stop beating around the bush. What do you want to know?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Don't beat around the bush with your kids. I would also say, I'll take it a step further. Don't treat them as kids, treat them as young adults, treat them as young humans who just ain't where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That's all just, they're a young human. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. I got a four-year-old nephew. I don't talk to him like he's four. Mm-hmm. I talk to him like a young human, right? And so I had to learn the best way to get better at asking questions is I know what, I'm, what I want to know, but I got to write down the initial question that I'm thinking of and then write another question that will be deeper than that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm asking Tamra, you know, hey, babe, you know, I love you, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know you know you do. The better question probably is, honey, what are the things that I do that let you know I'm really in your corner and that you Mm -hmm. can trust me? Good. That's great. That's a better question.
3: Hey, you know I love you, right?
0: Well, okay. Yeah. I also know the sky is blue, right? Like, but what are the things that I do? Because what I'm really trying to get her to be able to see and have her own moments of recall that let her know, yeah, this is the guy that's actually in my corner. Mm Hmm. Yeah, because he's this, this, and this. Okay, cool, right? Well, my kids, um, you know, they get in trouble for something, you know, hey, did you did you know this would be the consequence when you decided to do that thing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or did you think you just wouldn't get caught? So that's what made it exciting. Mm-hmm. Think about it, right? When we did, when we were mischievous as kids, the exciting part was the fact we didn't get caught. So what do we try
3: to go do? Do the same thing again. Yep. So just go back to when you were 16 and getting caught for sneaking out or, you know,
0: whatever. Right. What was it for you? You have those conversations with the kids because now they realize, dang, maybe you do know something about, yeah, I was, I've done this before, dude. You ain't know the first time you've ever (laughs) snuck out or tried to sneak your phone, whatever. Right. Like, dude, I done done all that stuff 10 times over. Right. But you have to ask the second level question by stopping yourself from just asking the initial one.
1: Yeah. And, and what you're talking about Think of about what's
0: there, the,
3: the, the layer.
1: Yeah. The, the, what you're talking about there is something we used to talk about a lot more in our family, which is making me remember like, well, we need to start talking about this more. But we would say, how do you ask caring questions? And um, mm. a friend of mine said, well, how do you define a caring question? I said, well, it's a, it's a question that reveals the heart of the person you're asking.
0: There you go. And so, hey, ooh, that's good.
1: You know, like, how do we, how oh. do we ask questions that? And it was all inspired by this guy that we met one time. And uh, man, to be in this man's presence was a different experience. And whenever we observed and looked, what made it so different to be around this gentleman? And the fact was, was he was just not about the surface, and yeah. he was all about seeing people right where they were, right in that moment. And he would ask you the most profound questions and notice the most profound things about you. And then he would bring that back around because he was always walking around just loving people, and it was so inspiring. and so I started asking, you know, well, how do I ask caring questions to my children? You know, and how do I teach my kids to ask caring questions to others mm. right? and And how do I give them that depth? And I've almost sometimes I wonder. <laughs> if I'm, if I, you know, time will tell my kids are 10, 15, uh, 17 and 21. Okay. And, uh, so like time will tell how this all susses out. Right. But yeah. my kids always grow up feeling extremely different from everybody else. And most of the times feeling very, um, just like, I don't want to have anything to do with the, the things that my friends are talking about. Like I, I'm not for sure, but it seems as though in their assessment is that I feel more mature than most of my most of my peers. And like, they just want to talk about this stuff and I don't really care. And I don't really want to um, mm-hmm. gossip. I don't really want to do these things and it just doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve me. And wow. Like, I don't know what exactly I did to cause you to think like that, but I'm so very proud of you. And I hope that you hold on to that. And, and I think caring questions had to do with it because it wasn't, you know, it, it was about, Asking those questions that revealed their heart, and then teaching them to see people enough to figure out what is a caring question I could ask the person in front of me. Um, Man, and that's wow. that that that's that's can be a difficult skill. But I think one of the biggest overarching messages that's kind of coming clear to me in our in our interview is the power of intentionality, right? Yeah. And the power of you know, like you said, uh, being observant of of the other people, and the power of Uh, being in the moment and being able to have the eagle eye view and that perspective, rather than being in your emotions, you're outside of your emotions Mm -hmm. and you're handling the situation. But all of those things, the theme is you have to be intentional about it. And I feel like, and Chris, tell me if, if you agree and what your thoughts are, but I feel like now more than ever, I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but now more than ever, I feel like we have a harder job at being able to show up intentionally because We have all these screens which allow multi-billion dollar industries into our homes, um, just calling and and marketing dollars being spent and all the dopamine hits and um, videos being literally scientifically engineered to keep us hooked, right? To, to activate parts of our brain and to make us think about this. And we're exposed to so much more than if we were just in our home and there weren't. And now, listen, I don't, I don't want no internet. <laughs> I love the internet. I love technology. But think about the difference that our life, what would our life look like right now if all of a sudden all screens and the internet were to disappear? And we were just to turn inward away from our phones and be at home in our family. And I feel like there's a lot of parents that might really struggle because their parenting muscles, I feel like all of our parenting muscles have a tendency to get weak because we don't have to deal with a lot of stuff that we have to deal with, which causes those slow leaks, right? Because we're not having to deal with it. We just, it just, it just leaks along. And then all of a sudden these big blowups happen and our, our kids are dealing with, you know, thinking about suicide and getting exposed to horrific things online. And the culture out there is raising our kids rather than us deciding how we're raising our kids. And I I feel like that intentionality (laughs) is the thing that does. And and like I mentioned to you before, I'm like, man, I can just feel some of the people I've had conversations with. It's like, Stephanie, I'm so busy. I don't have the time to do all that. You know, and like, I'll talk about the powerful parenting courses and things that I'm creating. And they're like, but how can you make it easy? Because I'm already busy enough. And I'm like, But hold the phone for a second. What exactly? Where are your priorities? Because if there is one thing in your life, I guarantee you, my audience, my tribe, if you're listening right now, and you you don't resonate with this, then maybe you know, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Maybe my courses would never be for you. Maybe our membership would never be for you. In, In that, like, the one thing I'm here to make sure that I do by the time I take my last breath on this earth is to have loved my family well. And to love mm. and then and then to have loved others well and, and leaving a legacy of how I feel like I've been loved by God in my own life. So that it's mm-hmm. a testimony of how my life has been changed. But furthermore, because they're worth loving well, not just half-heartedly, right? But my kids and my husband are worth loving well. And, and the people that God has put in my life and in my my friends are worth loving well. And man, if I'm not prioritizing that. If I don't think it's worth the extra effort to try to put on a monitoring system on my kid's phone and then make sure I check in with them and then hack my kids and figure out how I connect with them deeply and spend the time to learn how to be emotionally outside instead of in my emotions when I'm dealing with conflict, then what are we even doing mm-hmm. if, if, if that's not the thing that's worth prioritizing? Like there's no quick fix pill here. Like it's, and, and we live in a no. society that tells us that, you know, don't deal with the root, just cover it up with a pill. You're, oh, you got those symptoms? Here's a pill. Yeah. Right. And and, and, I, and I feel like it's, it's almost like a call to arms of like, look people, we've got to prioritize, make the first thing, the first thing, what is important to you truly and make sure your life reflects that to the best of your ability. We're not perfect. Right. But how can we show up Mm -hmm. powerfully in those moments? So I'm sorry, I went on a little bit of soapbox there, but what are your thoughts? Chris? No, I
0: love it. I think there's two things. There's a documentary that everybody could watch to talk about like, uh, life and longevity. There's a new documentary on Netflix called blue zones. (gasps) Blue
2: Zones. Um, yes, I second
1: if this. You
0: watch that. It's a beautiful piece. And the thing that I'm taking away from watching it is there's a way to have longevity. And every area and community that they are studying has no real need for technology.
2: Yeah.
0: They're happier. They're more connected. And they're living longer because they don't have so many dopamine hits. Their dopamine is talking to their 90 year old grandmother. Mm -hmm. Their dopamine is, hey, when we get done with the day, we're all cooking together, right? Um, So Blue Zones is the thing. To your point about as parents, where do I get the time? You have to make margin in your life. For example, those of you who are working a corporate day job, I know that 17 years I went from being an executive admin to all the way up to uh, training executives all around the country. and. That's one of the things that helped me build my uh, ability to observe. But one of the most interesting things about that is um, getting to the top of my game and being so good at it that eventually it was like, yeah, but your kid is only going to kick that first soccer once. Mm -hmm. So if you're at the game with your laptop, all in the name of the job. And then you justify that by, well, this is how I feed my kids. Well, there's a lot of other ways to feed your kids. Mm -hmm. Or here's what we don't do at work. And this is what I'm going to ask everyone to do. From the moment you hear this, just write it down and just go do and turn your brain off. Go set boundaries at the job. Stop setting boundaries with your kids. Like my kids and my wife know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like right now, if my wife came down and my kids come down and if I'm in the middle of a meeting, if I'm whatever, they have an automatic right to interrupt me. I don't make my space cut off from my family. And guess what? My job knows. My, every, all of the people, when it was at work time, they knew, guess what Chris is going to have? His wife is probably going to, when his kids come in, they're going to come in and say hello. Because I let my, I put boundaries up around my job. Hey, I just want y'all to know at three o'clock when my kids came in, um, my kids are going to come in here and say hello to me. All right, let's get started with the meeting. Like, I set boundaries with my job.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, I'm sorry, but uh, I know y'all are working on that project, but uh, we're going on a trip coming up soon. So guess what? I am not answering my phone and I will not be connected to my email for the next week and a half. Yep.
1: Yep.
0: Right. I'll get as much done as I can before that.
1: And did the world fall down around you when you did that? No, it did not. It did not. It did not.
0: But because we don't set boundaries at work, guess who's taking advantage of every little moment? This is a slow leak, right? This is, this is how slow leaks start at the job. You got that job. You were so excited. you trying to climb. So what did you start doing? Answering emails that came in after six o'clock. Mm. Answering emails that came in after 8.30 eventually. And then guess what happens at work? People are upset. Your manager got mad at you because you didn't respond to an email, but you never looked at the time to say what time she sent it. Oh, she sent it on a Saturday. Why is she upset? Because you, you didn't have the backbone enough to go, I'm sorry, it was Saturday. I wasn't my children and my family. That was the reason why I didn't respond to your email. Yep. Right? Start. You want to create margin? Set boundaries at work. Yeah. I promise you things will change.
2: Yes. Right?
0: You're not that... Yes, you're important, but you ain't that important. I know, That's right. worth sacrificing your family. I know, okay? right?
2: Okay? But it,
1: right? You're, you're so important that it, those boundaries will not impact. At least in my experience. Every time I've set boundaries, every time... I put my foot on the ground and I said, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I realized that I, it's like the matrix. Like we determine what we see in front of us, technically. It's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. and, and our words have power and we yes. had, we have, you, know, we have advocacy in our life to create the reality mm-hmm. that we want to create. And sometimes it's as simple as just letting the words come out of your mouth and you setting the boundary. Sometimes we'll think about it and we'll we'll ball and squall or we'll like just wring our hands for you know a couple months on a decision when we want to do things like this. But in reality, yeah, it's literally sometimes as simple as just saying, "This is what I need, this is what I want, and this is what is going to be."
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. I think we should set boundaries with our jobs. And I think the other thing is when phones got introduced, we were using them as babysitters. Unfortunately, yep. The unintended consequences of that is to your point, as these companies started realizing. By the way. As adults, I'm going to just give some advice. The marketing companies are leveraging psychology, folks. They're leveraging people who understand human behavior of one of those. I happen to be one of those people who understand human behavior and psychology. Marketing companies are spending big dollars to get psychologists and human behavior people and human strategy people to teach them how to market better. And I want you to know something. As a parent, they are not worried about uh, you because they already have you. You know who they're trying to make sure they market to? Mm -hmm. The next generation, our children. So they understand exactly colors, color science. They understand words. They understand sound. They understand what it's going to take for them to be hooked into our children's basic brain DNA for the rest of their lives. If you don't set boundaries on when, where, how, and why, like there was a time where our kids Yes, they might have been on their phones, but it's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get to see where you're going. Yeah. Yes, we had Life 360 on our children's phones from the time they were in middle school. And there were alerts. When you left out of a certain zone, I got an alert, buddy. I know where you're at. Right? One of my time, my kid tried to skip school, not remembering that he had Life 360 on his phone. (laughs) Sucks to be him. But but, hey, right? But my point is, it's like sometimes we have to like make the step, put your foot down Mm -hmm. and realize the company is not in your best interest that we're marketing through these devices.
2: Yeah.
1: They're
0: in their best interest.
1: And and, And they're going to do
0: whatever it takes.
1: And and even realizing and acknowledging that that enemy does exist. And 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 I'm willing to call it an enemy because. I mean, I think there's a lot of things. I, I own a business, right? I want—I I literally am in the business of getting people's attention to get them to take action for my clients. How about that? Like, I'm in <laughs> that business, right? Yeah. Um, so I know the value of that. But, like, whenever you look at what's happening, I know I'm not trying to get kids over there. But, like, the, the reality is, is that all the games, all the videos, all of it that yes. are are being created um, it, it is the enemy of, of the family unit or it can be, but if we come in and we recognize that, that intentionality again, it just keeps in this podcast just seems like it comes, keeps coming back up. Like that intentionality, like we have the ability to enjoy the benefits of technology, enjoy the benefits of social media and video games and all the fun and the entertainment and all the, those things, but also to be intentionally connected with our children to where we are commanding the day we are commanding the culture of our family we are mm-hmm. just like it used to be because that's how it used to be but yes. now we've got this big built multi-billion dollar industry invited into our homes whether it be the video game industry or the movie industry or the social media industry or just youtube alone is like something like 200 billion dollar industry vying for our attention and our kids' attention. Can I tell
0: you, there's a book that I would highly recommend every parent read, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And I'm gonna tell you the chapter that you need to read. There's a chapter called Hypnotic Rhythm. And if you haven't heard of the book, it's um, a a story about a gentleman who was able to get the devil to tell him about all of his tricks and the things that he does to get people to do what he wants them to do. And if you read, uh, first of all, you're probably going to end up reading Hypnotic Rhythm like five times over as a chapter because it's just...
2: That good.
0: It's a really good way to do what? And by the way, the entire book is about patterns. If you just read, when you read the book, you'll realize, wait a second, this was an intentionality of the enemy and it's the patterns that he set in motion. Mm. Got it. Then you will understand why getting your kids off a phone and a device is so important. Mm.
1: Oh, thank you for that recommendation. I love that. I, you know, I, you're so right. I need to go back and reread because I didn't, whenever I read that book, I wasn't looking at it in that light. So I need to look at it in that light and revisit that. That's incredible. I just realized we have been talking for a really long time and I want to respect your time as well as the people who are listening. I was like, dang, I we should be talking for like 30, 40 more minutes. Like this is good <laughs> stuff. Good. You are amazing. This is absolutely incredible. Um, I did have one last question for you and then I, we'll, we'll go right. ahead and wrap it up. But You know, something that you bring to this podcast is something that we haven't, you know, quite talked about that I feel like is important to acknowledge because um, it happens to a lot of people and you and your, your first, in your first marriage with your first wife, you guys actually had um, a baby together and unfortunately you lost that baby uh, in the fifth month of pregnancy. And um, I would love for you just to talk about your, your experience and your journey in that because. I know there's got to be people who are listening who have been through that, and yeah. um, for you to to share your story and and uh, uh, just to speak to that that situation,
0: man. Um, you know it's interesting that you said that because yeah, I learned so many people was telling us that they had that experience before after the fact, and I'm like, where were y'all? Like, why is this not a conversation? Yeah, like why why aren't we talking about this? Right? Like you you knew you dealt with this before, you didn't even her own sister admitted to her after we lost our baby that that happened to her one day at home.
2: Oh my god. And
0: unfortunately, um when you when you have a baby that far along, you have to still give birth a lot of times because they basically are born as a stillborn. Yeah. So we had to go through that whole situation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um we got pregnant, uh well, I didn't, she did. And uh, I was really excited. Um I grew up in a house with all boys, so I was like, I want a girl, and I really thought like I was having a girl. Found out we got pregnant, and uh, I was really excited. I, it was kind of a weird thing though, just because I was at this point where I think around the third month, we had done some traveling, came back, and we didn't have a lot at the time. Like we, you know, we were just happy. She she was working as a as an educator uh, in our city. Um, I was like real early in my career. Um, you know, happy about kind of, you know, the job that I had. And uh, we went to a doctor's ap- appointment and um, it was a checkup and everything was fine. Got the checkup. Everything was cool. And so we kept saying to ourselves, like, do we want to like, you know, know the sex of the baby or do we want to keep it? secret? We finally at that, that one, when we said, Hey, everything is healthy. We're moving along. Fine. We said, nah, we'll wait. Like, let's, like, let's, let's enjoy the entire experience. Right. And so we were going to have her sister know, but not tell us, right? Like, so we were going to let her sister know. And, um, we had another appointment like scheduled about a month after that one around the fifth month. And, um, I just remember we had gone to the pool. Uh, We were living in a, a condo. We had gone to the pool. It was over the summer and I'll never forget. And, um, I was, you know, I'm. I don't know what I don't know, right? It's my first time, and I'm like, you know, you feel anything kicking yet? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah. And she was like, you know, every now and then she feels something, and so we were at the pool that day, and she goes, you know, you're gonna be a father, and I'm like, yeah, don't remind me. Like this is like, you know, ain't no back season this stuff, right? Like it's going to happen, and I was really excited because I, you know, was happy to be able to take that step in life, and I remember we went to the doctor, and um, we go in the doctor's room. Um, They're, they do an ultrasound, they do some listening and she's like, all right, let me do an ultrasound. And we weren't thinking anything of it. We're just like happy, excited. And then another doctor came in the room and we're still talking
3: and we're like, you know, we to do some stuff. And so, um, you know, we put the screen up so you can hear, like, and see, and the doctor left. No, it was the nurse. She came back with a doctor. And, you know, we sat up and doctor looked at her and said, hey, I'm sorry, but unfortunately there's no heartbeat.
2: Mm.
3: And that moment, had she gone to the doctor herself, I probably couldn't have forgiven myself,
2: mm.
3: right? Because you go
0: to doctor routines on your own, like, hey, I'm just going for a health checkup. Husband goes off to do whatever. But I, always, I wanted to be there for every step, right? So go to this event, go to the doctor main. I, I, to watch your wife be in such despair in the moment,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's thats an unseeable thing once you have that experience. Like, I can't unsee that version. Which, by the way, as a husband who tends to have a fix-it mentality, you cannot fix the moment at all, regardless of how strong you you want to be, if that makes any sense in the moment, right? Yeah. She's wailing, obviously, as a mother. My uh, initial shock, I was just really in shock like because I didn't know what to do. The nurse said something that I thought was, was I didn't understand it at the moment, but she said, hey, we're going to give you all a minute to have the
3: room. Take as long as you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm sitting, I'm numb, right? I'm holding my wife, but I'm not holding my wife. And she's done. like she is, yeah, you're gonna hear her cries all the way down the hall, right Um didn't know what to do. like I like honestly, like I had
0: no there's nothing I can say do.
2: yeah,
0: I can't make this right.
2: Yeah.
0: and that's devastating, right as a man, I think I think most most of us as men, right, we want to be there for you.
2: yeah,
0: like truly. I don't care if it's a bad situation. I still won't be there for you. Right. But we, I didn't know what, to, what I didn't know, didn't know what to do. And um, it was tough. Um, shortly after I ended up getting laid off.
2: Mm. Oh, man.
0: Two, mu- two months, three months
3: later, I got laid off. Financial trouble started piling up after that. Um, it caused us to, you know, spiral out of control.
0: And it was a cause, not the cause, it was a cause of our divorce.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like flat, flat out. It just was. Um, and when I got laid off, I got laid off out of town on my at my for my job, by oh the way. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm delivering a big presentation for uh, a big piece that I was working with, the tech side of the company at the time. They flew me. Uh, I had to drive out of town because it was like a three-hour drive. So I, I got the corporate credit card. Like, life is up. I'm feeling great. E- except for that moment. And I delivered a presentation. I walk into a room with my boss, and she says, I'm sorry, but unfortunately, we're laying you off. Man, shoot. $80 million project. And Ooh. I'm I'm out of a job. Now I gotta drive home three hours. And how do I tell my wife who just lost the baby?
2: Yeah,
0: I don't have a job.
2: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: this was that was that was probably the hardest two and a half years of my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Two things that happened that I cannot control.
1: Chris, how do you how do you, yeah, how do you process like what how did you process what was happening with,
3: with I did it students? terribly. lashed out a lot. I had people in my life that I could talk to
0: but because in their world and at the time where they were like they weren't experiencing those kind of things it just felt weird to like go to them
2: yeah
0: and try to talk to them. Uh I immediately
3: went uh went and got a counselor. Um met with our counselor uh for probably about the next 2 years. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: as our divorce was spiraling out of control, uh, she decided to leave, and she left, and she actually left the country. So imagine trying to do a divorce with somebody who's left the country. Oh my goodness!
2: Oh. The
0: toughest thing I've tried to do, and I remember the last—I um, was going to a counselor. Um, I was going to see him regularly, and then uh, he said, "Well, listen, I know you want her to come, but I can't make somebody come that doesn't want to come, and she has to decide that she wants to come." The last time I saw her was when she finally came to um, a counseling session and when she walked out in the middle of the counseling session, he's like, you do understand that this is over, but you have to be still be willing to do the work. Mm. And he's like, if you're willing to do that, I'm willing to work with you. And I learned the guy that you guys are hearing right now on this podcast or whatever you see in the future, don't think it's like, because I'm great. No, it's because I literally got my, my ego kicked in and my butt kicked mentally for two and a half years straight.
1: Mm, that's awesome sounds like you found a great counselor Chris.
0: wow oh he was the greatest thing on the planet i'm actually going to do a um a, a piece and i'll post it on social media because i'm actually going to meet with him because he has no idea just like how much he impacted my life at that
1: time wow for i'm good. gonna be there for that podcast you interview him for good i want to
0: hear it um great great man but it was it was the hardest thing even getting married uh again to, to my wife, like she was open to having a kid for me even though she was like done, right? Like she did all the stuff, prenatal stuff, like she was willing to have a kid for me. Sorry, like, but I, like it was so weird because I was f- afraid, like, what if this happens again? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like I had all the, the stuff rattling in around in my head, like,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I
0: don't want her to have to go through that, right? Like I, you know what I mean? Like I was just, and I remember talking to God about it. Like I, I always say I have these boardroom conversations with God where it's just like I'm in the boardroom with him. And I'm lashing, like I'm saying whatever, right? I, I remember my uh pastor saying one time, like, God can handle your nonsense. Like, why do um, you think you can't talk to God? Like, He don't, he's big enough, trust me. He ain't got no problems with how you feel, right? So I just remember having these conversations, like, God, like, do I, can I, right? Like, because there's no definites, right? Because there's no. You don't you don't control that that process. It is a miracle to have every human who's ever was born. Cuz for 9 months you are not in control of what happens.
2: Yeah, that's so true.
0: As much as you can do, right? Even the mother, she knows I don't this is a miracle that's happening for 9 months, right? And so I was I was concerned, I was afraid. Like I felt, man, those are the worst feelings ever cuz I don't know the future and I can't predict this thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Right, I I did. I did it all. I did my sperm test. I did all that because I'm like, was it me? What, like, what was it? And I'll never forget the doctor saying, "This is not. This is not on y'all. She was healthy. So are you, Chris. You're fine.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Like, you can't control this. And so, um, we ultimately decided not to uh, try again here. It was really my decision because my wife was like, "Look, if you want to, I'll do it. Um, But I decided not to." And it was mainly because I
3: remember hearing God clearly like, I've redeemed you by giving you two sons. Ooh,
2: that's beautiful. That's what I heard. That's beautiful.
3: Like, I made up for you what you thought you lost. Double O. You married a woman that has, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And so I was like, oh, this is my redemption story. Okay, cool. I'll accept that. Mm. Right? Um. But yeah, it was hard. And I, 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 I don't think I'll ever get over it. I don't, no. I don't know if that's a thing. But I, I have gotten better as a result
2: yeah.
0: of going through one of the hardest things that I, meaning as a man, I, man, if you probably talk to her, you know, she can give you the woman's cause I can't, ima- I you know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't have that. And we still had to go to the doctor for them to, you know, remove you the fetus, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand that. And I can't even imagine what that would feel like as a woman. Right. Um, and I had a friend who actually went through that uh, two years before that, before we did. So I got a chance to talk to him about how that, you know, how that went for them.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but well, tough. That, that's yeah. the hardest thing I've ever dealt with as a man on top of, I don't have a job. I'm trying to scramble, oh, Yeah. you know, to make ends meet. Like it was, that was just a difficult time. Very, yeah. man, that, was, that, was, that was a weird time in my life. Very, very weird.
1: Well, and, and I wanted to make sure that we got to, to talk about that. Cause before we got on the podcast, you'd mentioned, you know, these are these, you know, a couple things in my life that are pretty significant. And I am with you. I believe that there's not enough conversations about what families go through whenever they do lose a child. Mm-hmm. And I myself has ha- have had an ectopic pregnancy and mm. lost that child. And, um, you know, I didn't grow the baby for five months, like your, your previous wife did. And I, I can't even imagine that. And I know friends who've gone through that level where yeah. they could feel the baby and everything. And it's so hard. But I just, I want people to know they're not alone and and that it is hard. Nah, and that once you lose someone in your life, and that could be a baby in utero, it could be someone in, in uh, who is an adult. It could be someone you lo- lose in your life that you love. You know, grief is a really tough thing and it happens. Yeah. And there are people walking around dealing with grief, dealing with loss, and we're just not alone. And I think that's the the big picture view of it. Because um, we can feel very alone in the midst of it, especially yeah. whenever you're dealing with it, uh, particularly as a woman and then particularly as a man, when you want to fix yeah. it, you want to come in and make the day better and and swoop in. And um and, and sometimes it's just not fixable because emotions are what they are and you have to sit on them and, and just mm-hmm. be where you are, right? And so I really, 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 really appreciate you being willing to share that that part of your journey and part of your story. Um, because I think that, uh, it's a powerful message to know that we're not alone in this world and, and to bring it kind of all back around, um, as far as feeling not alone, uh, to me, that's one of the main anthems that we need to have for our children in our homes is that they're not alone. And, and we do that through connection. And I feel like in this interview, you have given so much gold and so much wisdom um, and we've kind of cultivated that together as far as what are some of the things that we can do in order to, um, show up powerfully in our kids' lives so that they know that they have a place to belong, that they're not mm-hmm. alone and that, you know, we're their biggest advocates, but sometimes we can't be their friends, <laughs> right? That's right. Sometimes, sometimes we can't be their friends. So, um, in order to wrap it up, I just wanted to ask you, um, uh, gosh, I really want to ask you two questions, but we are really at time. Cause I, I do have a call at 12, but, um, I want to know just succinctly, what, what does it mean to you to be a good dad?
3: Wow.
0: Oh, um, I think real quick, a good good dad is one who is present and okay with not having all the answers. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good dad. That's good. I think he's vulnerable in front of his kids. I think he teaches more than he talks and he teaches through his actions. Right. My kids know that I taught them why they open the door for their mother, why we have conflict resolution, why we um, uh, they get a chance to watch it. Like I, I, I I'm OK with our kids watching mom and dad have a conflict because I'm, I want them to see the resolution. I want them to see how I hold her hand in the moment. I want them to see uh, us have an emotionless conversation. Right. I want them to see why, you know, she gets flowers from me. I want them to see me serve her. I want them to see that she serves me. I want them to see us go on date night. And guess what? You can't come. We love you.
1: <laughs> not invited. <laughs> you with, with,
0: with, with Gaga, right? Who we affectionate as my mother-in-law, right? Like you're not with us that night, right? I want them to see us go on vacation without them and vacations with them, right? So I think it's it's being present and being okay with, like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to step up and try something, right? And if I fail, I'll accept it. Yeah. If I knock it out of the park. Cool. Like I didn't know. Yeah. But I'm willing to try.
1: Oh, Chris, that is so good. Thank you so much. Listen, guys, if you want to check out Chris Williams and all the things he's got going on, you got to go check out his YouTube channel. Chris, tell him where to go.
0: Yes. You go Just search right inside of YouTube. Grow your side business. I help high achieving people create more impact by making more income.
1: Yes. And Chris just launched something really exciting, a newsletter, and I love the name of this newsletter. It's called Successfully Discontent, and you guys have to go check it out. It's successfullydiscontent.com. I think it's just a phenomenal idea and name for the newsletter. Tell us what's on the newsletter, Chris.
0: Yeah, the newsletter we launched a few weeks back. I've been working on this for a little while. This is for the you know corporate people who have the house, the job, the title, the car, but still feel like something's missing. Mm. And that, that's when you found out you were successfully discontent um and it's that gnawing feeling um some people try to make you feel guilty for it cuz they're like well you're making the money why do you want to go do something else so it's like well no it's because i'm not maximizing all that god gave me as creativity mm. right i'm not maximizing my skills um and there's too many people who are really talented that if the marketplace knew they existed mm. it would change lives forever yeah. right and so uh successfully discontent is where we're sharing our stories i'm sharing tips and strategies on how to grow a successful side business uh people are telling their stories More importantly, it's just about uplifting the financial uh, lifestyle of corporate employees because most people don't realize they're walking around with golden handcuffs. pretty tight.
1: Golden handcuffs, dang, all right. Well, I'm gonna go subscribe. Chris, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate you guys. Guys, connect with Chris. And again, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.